I've, I've been doing a series called The Voice in My Head, and um, before I get into the, and today we're going to talk, we talked the first week about the voice of the master, talking about Jesus and how we can trust the message of Jesus. No matter what it is, we can trust that because he's trustworthy and he's faithful in everything he does. And then the second week, we looked at the voice of the enemy last Sunday. And in that, we talked about Satan and how he can't be trusted because he is a liar. He is the father of lies. That's his character. That's what he does. It's his native language we learned last week. It, it is lying. Um, and this week... Um, I named it the voice of wisdom. Now, here's the deal. When, when I first had the idea for this series, it started with the second message uh, out of the book, which I showed you last week. Pastor Troy ended up doing a series on, on this book, Winning the, the War in My Mind. And, and um, it started with that, and then I remembered a, a, um, a sermon I had preached a long time ago that I thought fit as far as the voice of the master, except I totally redid it. Uh, just used the main little three ideas out of it. And then this passage was always here. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. But it was always out of this passage. But when I first presented, when I first thought about it and I first presented it to Pastor Troy as my idea for this series, the idea was I was going to preach on the, the inner voice, the voice within. And I was going to talk about how we can use our circumstances and the voice of the Holy Spirit and all that together in order to, to come together and decide and, and figure out what we should and shouldn't do in life, how to know, what, how, to, how to gain wisdom and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I went back and I, as I got closer to the time to do this series and I started studying it, I'm looking at this passage here in Ephesians 5 and I was going, where did that idea even come from? Uh, it, it, for some reason, as I studied the passage, it didn't match completely what I had in mind before. And then I found some notes, and I realized what it was is where I just read somebody else's uh, little devotional one time a while back, and they had used this passage, but the stuff they said had nothing to do with the passage. Um, and so, and I, and I know that I remember when I was a, a when I was in college, I was listening to a preacher preach one time, and he, uh, he actually stood up there and said, well, I, he said, I had something I wanted to talk to you all about today. I couldn't really find a good verse to match it, so I just picked out a verse. And I thought, well, then are you speaking or is God speaking? I'm confused. Um, so what I did instead is I went into Ephesians 5, and as I began to study this passage, I was like, okay, i got to change up what I'm saying a little bit because I want to actually show you what the Word of God says, not just what's in my mind. Uh, Y'all don't want to see what's in my mind, I promise you. Um, it's, it, it's a scary place to be sometimes. Um, but this is, in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at the voice of wisdom today. And I think it's going it, to, I know as I was studying it, my, my mind totally changed on some things that I was thinking. But we're just going to look at this, this little passage and see some things. Um, yeah, wisdom is, is an interesting thing because a lot of people claim to have wisdom. And I've met a lot of people in my life who actually outright said, told me they were wise or they had a lot of wisdom. And, and after talking to them for a few minutes, I was like, do you really understand the word? Um, um, it's, it's like common sense. You know, everybody today thinks they have common sense, but common sense doesn't seem to be real common nowadays. Uh, I've mentioned every service so far in the, these three weeks about how 
social media impacts our lives and entertainment and politics and all that and how we've got all these different voices come into our head and they're telling us all these different things that we're supposed to believe or we're supposed to do and we don't know how and, and sometimes what we're getting from these other voices is, contradicts what we've been taught in church or what we've read in the word and, and it gets really confusing and if you look at social media, I see people making totally opposite statements and both of them claiming that the other side has no common sense and I'm going to have either one of you even read your own message because what you're saying makes no sense. I, um, I won't get into the, what the subject is, but just a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine who has a totally different political viewpoint than I do, but we're good friends, um, he posted something online going off about something in his state, and he lives in another state, but that they had done, and he just didn't understand why they're so backwards. And I, actually, I sent him a private message, because I will not argue on social media, uh, but I sent him a private message and said, hey, I'm not trying to argue or debate you even. I'm just curious why you feel the way you do about this, because I've, from my point of view, I don't really understand that stance. And he wrote back uh, a day later, and he sent me an article that was written by... Um, someone that I would not agree with, and, and he said, this will explain it much better than I do, but basically, and he, based, and he just listed their main points, and as I read it, I saw so many contradictions in that article, and from my worldview, from my point of view, from my mindset, I could not still understand why they took the stance they, stu they took. What it seemed to me is because their political party stands for this, then they felt like they had to because otherwise they're going to support the other party and they can't do that. And I'm thinking, that's just stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't care which side you're on. If your side's wrong, tell them they're wrong. It's not that hard. Uh, but it did not, and I can't, I don't want to get into the subject because then y'all will just want to debate that subject and that's not what we're here for today. But understand that common sense is not always common. Sometimes what we claim to believe is not because we really believe it's the best thing. It's because we've just heard somebody else say it and we don't know what else to say. Or because it makes us feel better about what is going on right now. I mean, there's some arguments out there. I, I can't tell you how many things out there make absolutely no sense about certain subjects only because, yeah, but, but it makes me feel better. Or I know, and what does either side do? Every year, I don't care who the president is, I don't, every year when they do a State of the Union address and they're trying to get their point across and they're trying to get some of their policies passed, who do they have in the audience? Somebody that they can use an example of why their policy is good because it helped this person, right? They do it every time. Both sides do it because if we can personalize it, then people all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, now I understand, and, the, and they feel a connection. But that doesn't always mean it's right just because you can find an example because both sides can find examples all the time. Common sense is a little different. Wisdom is even different than common sense. Um... I don't know, I was, you know, as we get older, people talk about wisdom coming with age. Mark Twain once said, um, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. And I'm going to tell you, by the time you get to be 52, he's learned a whole lot more. Uh, the truth is, I, I was the same way as a teenager. I, there were times I thought my dad was an idiot. Hope you're not watching, Dad. I love you. Um, but 
the older I got, the more I realized that dude had a lot of wisdom. And he still does. And it's not always that his wisdom grew over the years, even though I think it probably did. It's that as I learned things, all of a sudden I started seeing the truth a little more clearly. And I understood that what I didn't understand when I was 15, all of a sudden at 30, I could understand a whole lot better. Sometimes wisdom comes with time. Sometimes wisdom just doesn't seem to show up for some people. Uh, <laughs> but here's the good news. We can always ask and receive wisdom, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what will wisdom do for us? Here's the thing. We get confused sometimes because of all these voices. We've got the voice of, of our entertainment industry from Hollywood and music and, and, and movies and TVs. We've got the voice of our politicians telling us that we have to stand for this or stand for this. We've got the voice of our friends and neighbors around us. We've got the voice of, of our church. We've got the voice of our pastors. We've got the voice of, of the Word of God. We've got the voice of social media Facebook and Twitter and Instagram all trying to tell us what, we're, what we should and shouldn't believe, what we should and shouldn't do, and they're all coming together, and sometimes it really does get confusing. There are certain topics that we can talk about that when I hear somebody explain why they believe it, all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, that kind of makes sense. And there are things today, I'm 52 years old, there are things at 52 years old that I believe totally different than I did when I was 25, and I'm telling you, when I was 25, I was a smart dude. I knew a lot, but yet I look at it now and I go, ooh, you know, I misunderstood this. Or sometimes it's not that the basic belief has changed, it's just the method in how I present it has changed because wisdom will change that as well. So we're going to look at that. Today. We're going to look at the voice of wisdom as we look at this one passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. That's all it is, and we're going to break down these three verses. It says this in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, breaking the, uh, breaking, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that you offer us wisdom. God, I pray right now that you would give me wisdom. I pray you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and you would speak through me, that dwindle names would, would be removed from this pulpit, God, and you would be the one in charge. Lord, may you give me remembrance of everything you've been trying to teach me. And God, I pray lives will be changed today through the power of your holy word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as we talk about wisdom and we talk about how we're going to gain it, how we're going to use it in our lives and those types of things, there's three things we're going to point out today out of this passage. And I'm just taking them straight out of the passage. Okay, it's very simple. The first thing I want you to see today is that you need to, if you want some wisdom in your life, if you want to figure out right and wrong, you want to figure out how to determine if it's the voice of the master or the voice of the enemy or if it's the voice of just stupidity, whatever it is, I want you to, to, to look at three things today. The first thing is you need to think through your options. Think through your options. Actually think about what the choices are. See, because a lot of people, they see something online. I saw a thing the other day where in another state, again, uh, a senator had asked a question of somebody on the opposite side, and all of a sudden the people on the opposite side just attacked this senator like crazy because the person that they questioned turned it around, did not answer the question, but turned around and attacked the senator on a totally different subject. And that happens a lot in politics, and it drives me crazy because I'm going, just because you deflect 
and now you attack, if I'm talking to you and you attack me about something that I did before or a totally different subject, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. And I looked at it and I saw all these comments and they're looking, and all they're doing is attacking something because of one thing that's said, and they're not looking at all the options. They're not looking at, at all the evidence. They're not looking at even what was said in that conversation. If you want to know what God's will is, you want to know the truth, you want to know how you should and should it live, you got to think through the options because there are a lot of options out there today. There are a lot of things that you have access to today that we didn't have years ago, and even more that my parents and their parents didn't have. Man, how much change have we seen in, in the last hundred years as far as access to information, access to, 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 to things that we can do differently and faster and more efficiently now than we could 50 years ago? I mean, I never in my life, I told y'all a couple of weeks ago about the first time I bought a computer. And, you know, it was just, a, it was a desktop computer. Was, you know, the box to it was about that thick and about that wide. And it had a big old thick monitor standing on top of it. I never in my life at that time would have ever thought I was going to be using something called the internet, to be honest. And I sure never thought I'd be carrying one around in my pocket. But we do. And what do I do now? Used to, I would drive. I, I've always loved to travel. I remember times when my wife and I first got married, we would drive to other parts of the country and spend a few days. All I would do is pull out a map and look at the main highway, how to get there. And then when we got there, we figured out where to go. I don't know how we did it because now I can't even get to Kroger without this. I mean, it's, it's you know, things have changed. We have a lot more options now than we used to have. What did he say in verse 15? He said this in, in the NIV. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful how you live. Now, I, I used to, when I was a pastor, I preached out of the New King James. The reason I did is because I, when I first started pastoring, I was pastoring small country churches, and everybody there still had a King James. And when I would preach out of a different translation, they, would, they came to me not complaining, saying they thought it was evil, just that we're having trouble following along. So I switched to the New King James. And I actually, honestly, really like it a lot in a lot of ways. But look at what the New King James says in verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. King, the King James Version, they're a little more blunt. Don't be a, you know, the first one says, don't be unwise. King James says, don't be a fool. Same thing, but it's a little more blunt. Don't be a fool. But he uses the word circumspectly. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly, is that one y'all use every day? Now you do, of course. I would never expect anything less. Me? I use it when I preach this passage, <laughs> which has happened a few times over the years. But here, here, here's the deal. Circumspectly means this. Careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. That's what it means. Careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. There are, there are a few words that we can use. There, there's circumspect, there's cautious, wary. All of these imply basically looking before you leap, right? Uh, but they all have a little bit of different connotation. Circumspectly actually, circumspect actually descends from a Latin word, circum, which means around, and 
specker, which means to look, but it implies the surveying of all possible consequences in order to determine the right course of action. It can be used in business. He's very circumspect in his business dealings. What it means is you're being cautious. You're being aware, okay? You're actually thinking about things that you do. It really does have that, that idea of looking before you leap. Now, I have been known in my life to do some pretty, we'll just call them crazy things. Some people call them stupid. But I've always been a little bit of a daredevil. I've always been one that wanted to try things. And, and, and one of those things at one point in my life was jumping off of things if there's water below me. Um, I, I, I love, like, diving off of cliffs. I love I, bungee jumping, anything like that. I'm, uh, even though the bungee jumping, I, I've only done it once where you actually hit the water, and that don't feel that great. But um, I was at one time, there's this little place. We, we used to call it the canal, but it's down, going down 305. There's a little place down there that you can, used to, they've got it, like, trying to keep people from going there now, but you can pull off, and there's, like, this sand along the thing there under the bridge. Some of y'all have been there. When I was a teenager, we used to, when I was a kid, my parents actually used to take us there, and we would swim at one end while they were fishing at the other. And as a teenager, we would go down there and hang out and um, get in trouble. But at times the river coming along through there was actually pretty deep. At times it was deep enough that I, you know, I could, you had to dive down pretty deep to touch bottom. At times it's very, very shallow. Um, but there was a time that I was dared to jump off of the bridge into the water. And I wasn't real sure if I wanted to do that because I knew sometimes it's not that great. And this time, though, I knew it had been kind of deep, but I wasn't sure. So what we did, we hadn't been there. This is, we hadn't been there in over a year at this point. I didn't know what it was like. So what I did is they were daring me. I said, I don't know. I don't know. Let's go play around a little bit. We'll, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll do it. So we go down there, and what I did is I went out into the water, and I began to swim around, and then I dove down to see how deep it was. And when I figured out, it was probably a good eight or ten foot deep, I said, all right, let's go for it. And I went up there, and I jumped off the bridge, and I didn't, I didn't dive. I just jumped because uh, you never know what's in there. And I jumped and landed, and it was fine. Now, people ask you all the time, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Well, yeah, I, I have. Uh, it, but here's the deal. Most of the time, I wait for one of them to do it first. And if they don't break their neck, then I think, okay, it's probably okay. It's just like when people say they're scared of roller coasters or, or, or carnival rides or whatever. I love them, and people say, but they're unsafe. Well, if they were that unsafe, they wouldn't be up because people are riding them. I mean, I'm sitting here watching them, riding them. Nobody died, so surely it's going to be okay. So I go ahead and do it. But there's the deal. You look before you leap. I would go down and test the water first and then jump in. I've never once, well, no, I'll take that back. I did one time in Mexico just jump off a cliff, but I saw other people doing it first. Most of the time, I go and test it first, and I make sure, is there anything around? Is there any problem? And then I do it. Now, in life, there have been a lot of times where I've jumped before I looked. There have been a lot of times in my life where I've made decisions without all the proper knowledge, where I've just went with what felt good in the moment or what I thought would impress my friends or what I thought would make my wife happy or whatever it might be. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in debt because I want to just make my wife happy and, and didn't think about the consequences of having to pay it off later. Um, 
But it, it, it happens. Sometimes we don't look before we leak. But what, what Paul says here to the Ephesians is be very careful then or see that you walk circumspectly. Be very then careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. See, the options before us are always there. We always have options. We want to choose the right option. Sometimes we like to say, I have no other choice. Yes, you do. It may not be the fun choice. It may not be the easy choice. It may not be a comfortable choice, but you always have another choice. Matter of fact, one of my favorite verses for most of my life was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, here's the deal. Now, this is the verse that a lot of people take and say, God will never put anything on you that you can't handle. That's not what this verse says. This verse says there's no temptation you face that you can't face, that you can't handle. But it's with his power. What he says here, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He knows your limits. But here's the deal. Most of us give in way before our limits. So when we're faced with a temptation to do something that we know is wrong, well, I had no choice. Yes, you did. It just might have meant that you would have been embarrassed in front of your friends. Yes, you did. It might have just meant you had to say no to somebody you didn't really want to say no to. Yes, it did. It might have meant that you had to wait a little while for the answer instead of going ahead and doing it now. There's always a way of escape, he says. There's always a way out. What we want to do is we want to try to look at what we see right now and say, this is it. This is the only option I've got. And what God is saying, no, look around. If you don't see the door, look for a window. If there's a fire going on, you're going to find a way out, right? But most of us, when we're faced with a tough decision, we just simply look at what's the easiest instead of what's right. Look at your choices. Pay attention to what your choices. Think through your options. Because choosing the right option will require wisdom. Choosing the right option is going to require wisdom. He said there, don't be unwise, but wise. Don't be a fool, but be wise. As you choose these options, as you look at these options, realize that wisdom is necessary. How do we gain wisdom? How do we know if we got wisdom? Well, here's the thing. Most of us at times when we don't use the wisdom is because we simply didn't stop and ask. When you're, when you're faced with that tough decision, when you're faced with that temptation, when you're faced with that problem, most of us don't stop and say, hey, God, what do you want me to do here? Instead, we just say, I'm in the moment. This is what's before me. Why don't I do it? But what does he say in James chapter 1? James chapter 1 and verse 5, he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He says, look, you, simply, you need some wisdom? You need an answer right now? Ask him. He'll give it. And he says, without finding fault. He's not going to judge you in the moment. He's not going to say, well, I would give you wisdom, but last time you didn't listen to me. 
He's not going to say, well, I would give you wisdom, but you know, you've made some pretty stupid mistakes in your life. So I'll let you just keep making them. No, he says you need it, you ask for it, he's going to give it to you in the moment when you need it. There have been some times that I've done some very foolish, unwise things, but there's been some times where I've taken the time to say, God, show me how to deal with this, and he's worked through the situation. It's happened actually several times in the last few weeks as I've been dealing with a very difficult situation with someone that I love very much. I talk, that's one of the ones I talked about in, the, in, the, excerpt, in the, 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 the thing I did earlier at the end of worship. As I'm dealing with this situation, every time before I talk to this person, I pray, God, give me wisdom. Because I know if my personality comes through, I'm going to push them away. But if Jesus comes through, it's going to eventually draw them in. You lack wisdom? Ask it. So think through your options. Secondly, not only do you need to think through the options that are there, and there are options available, you need to take the right opportunities. In verse 16, he says, in the NIV, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. He says, I want you to take advantage of every opportunity that comes before you. Why? Because the days are evil. He says in the New King James, again, I kind of like the wording here, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, let me hit because the days are evil, and then I'm going to talk about redeeming the time. Because the days are evil, I think what he's saying here is understand that we live in some difficult times. We live in some evil times. We live in some times where Satan is trying to take you down, and the world's not always going to agree with you. So make the most of it while you have time, because we don't know how much time we've got. We don't know how, how long it's going to last. As I, as I talked about in the exhortation earlier, in, in Revelation twenty two twenty, John says, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know how much time we've got before he's going to return and just take us all home. So make the most of that time. When he says redeeming the time... Redeeming the time is literally what it literally means if it's translated from what it was originally there. It's buying the opportunity. It literally means buying the opportunity. It's a metaphor taken out of merchants and traders back a long time ago who diligently observe and, and they try to improve the processes and try to improve what they're doing um, in, 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 their, in their trade, in, their, in selling of their merchandise to try to make sure that things happen urgently and in a very precise and good manner, in an honorable manner. He's saying redeem the time because you don't know how much longer. There was, we, had a, we had somebody come to our house Friday night. We were helping out a friend who's trying to get a free vacuum, and they came in and presented us to one of these rainbow vacuum cleaners, if y'all have ever done it. Um, yeah, it, it does a lot of really cool stuff. I, I've got one room upstairs that's my little, it's like I have an office, and I call it my man cave because everybody else calls it a man cave, but it's just a place where I have an office and, and a TV and, and I can be alone. And it has carpet. The rest of our house has no carpet except for we have one little area rug in our, in our living room. I got a 60-buck vacuum at Walmart. It does me fine. This rainbow, I, if y'all have got one, God bless you. They're great. They do a lot of amazing things, but there's a lot of things I can do with $3,000 uh, besides a vacuum. Sorry if y'all are watching Jeff's List. I love y'all, but I'm not buying a vacuum. Um, <laughs> uh, but 
they came in, and here's the thing, they came in and they're trying to sell. And what they do is if you then can get 12 people to go through the process of listening to this presentation, then you can get one for just the cost of, of the taxes. Um, and so you save a lot of money and you get you a really cool vacuum that does a lot of really amazing, cool stuff. But they come in and they're trying to sell you, and here's the deal. They're like, you have to, my wife said, well, let me think about it because I'm not sure I really want to go through the process of asking people to let us come into their homes and stuff. I don't know, and we sure can't spend $3,000 right now. That's just not happening. And they kept trying to push her and push her, and then the lady who's the salesperson said, but here's the deal. If you buy it today, you get $500 off, and you get the special attachment that we're going to give you for free if you can get two people in the first week to let us do a presentation. They don't have to buy. They just got to listen. I'm like, okay. And I'm just sitting there looking at my wife going, I don't know. And, but she just kept on and they kept, and the pressure was, if you don't do this today, you miss the deal. Well, that's how opportunities work. It would be great if somebody would come up and give you an opportunity and say, okay, I'm going to give you five days to think about it. And then you can da-da-da. Most of the time that doesn't happen. Most of the time when opportunities present themselves, it's right now. You either take it or you don't. And you have to make a wise decision in the moment. He says here, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Make sure you're ready. Be ready for that opportunity and take advantage of that opportunity when it comes before you. When it's the right opportunity, when you've prayed for wisdom, it's clear that, this, that God is in this, jump on it. I'm going to tell you, I have missed opportunities to win people to Christ in the past because I had a clear opportunity to talk to someone. The door was open, but I was in a hurry. Or I felt a little uncomfortable, or there was another person there that I thought maybe they're not going to be as accepting. And I would wait, and I would put it off till later, and then the next thing you know, then all of a sudden later it didn't come. I didn't see that person again for a really long time. And then, or if I did, then some things had changed, and all of a sudden I didn't have that same opening. When the opening arrives, when the opportunity arrives, you have to either say yes or no. Make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Matter of fact, when I do, uh, I've, I've preached a lot of funerals in my life, sadly. But one verse that I've used several times when I've done funerals is out of, no, I'm sorry, I put the wrong place. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, there I am. Yeah, James 4, 13 through, th my thing moved on me, I'm sorry, guys. James 4, 13 through 14, it says this, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money? Why? You, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He's saying, how do you even know? You want to make plans about what you're going to do, and you say, I'll do this eventually. I'll do this later. You know how, long, how often eventually doesn't come along? Uh, let me give you a good example. Ladies... If your husband tells you he's going to do something around the house, trust him, he will do it. You don't have to nag him every six months. All right? <laughs> Some of y'all get it. Uh, eventually may not come around. 
You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to be here. Last night I got a call. I was actually um, making supper and getting ready. My, my son and his fiance were coming back from Disney World, and, and I was supposed to pick them up at the airport at 3.30. They ended up landing around 8 at night because of all the delays now. And, uh, but I was waiting on the word for that, and I was actually about uh, 20 minutes away from having to go get them when I get a phone call from my nephew in Louisiana and wanting to let me know that my, my sister's husband was just found laying in a ditch with the lawnmower on top of him and was unresponsive. And they called an ambulance and they did CPR and they got him back. And so he's okay now. Uh, I talked to her late last night and he's doing, they're still running a bunch of tests today and to make sure what happened, but he was alert and talking and as normal as he can. Um, and then, uh, sorry, uh, y'all don't get that, but she would, my, my sister would laugh at that. Uh, but anyway, they, um, but he's doing okay. He's doing, he's doing okay. We don't really know what, ha what really happened yet. Um, but the deal is he could have been gone. If the ambulance hadn't got there as quick as they did, we don't know. They, they, they took quite a while to actually revive him. We don't know when the end is coming. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Our life is like a vapor, it says, that vanishes. And it could be gone at any time. So take advantage of the opportunities. And then thirdly, I want you to see that we need to trust God's objective. In verse 17 of this same passage, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is is. And then in the New King James, to be consistent since we've done the others, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. They switched this. See, earlier the King James called us fools. This one, the NIV says, don't be foolish. They, they switched up the terminology here, but it's the same wording. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is so important. If we're going to if we're going to be able to determine which voices in our head are the right voices, which voices are the things that we should or shouldn't do, then we have to understand the will of the Lord. We have to trust God's objective. We have to trust him. No matter what's going on, we have to think through the options. That's so important. We have to take the right opportunity. We have to trust God's objective because whatever his objective is, is pure. His objective may not be that you're going to get this instant satisfaction. His objective may be what he's going to do down the road that's going to be so much bigger and better. But you can trust his objective. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, it says this, Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Have you ever tried to walk forward while looking back? It's not that easy. I mean, you, if you really concentrate, you can do it. But you know what ends up happening a lot of times? You run into stuff. It's hard to keep your direction straight when you're looking at something else. How many car accidents happen because someone's looking at their phone instead of the road? Or sometimes it's even just looking down at the radio. I mean, it, it, it can happen in a split second. 
I've been there. I had to pay a whole bunch of money for a truck a few years ago where my son did that. Yeah. He told me it was just a little bump into another truck. I get there and it's, no, it's $14,000 worth of damage. Because he, uh, he looked down for a second and there was a red light that he didn't see and he ran into the back of another truck. Nobody got hurt, but that truck sure did. Um, when we get distracted, when we look away, it causes damage. And Paul says, I'm going to keep pressing on. We have to learn from the past. We have to be able to learn from our mistakes. We have to be able to learn from the things we've been through. But we have to stay focused on what's ahead. Stay focused on the bigger picture. Stay focused on what it is that God wants us to learn and what he wants us to do because in the end, what he's doing is going to be much more impactful than what's going to happen right here in this moment. My son learned a very valuable lesson that day. And honestly, I've, I've, I've never seen him since mess with his phone. This is my youngest son. My oldest son is very bad about it. But I, he does not look at his phone anymore while he's driving because it scared him so bad. We learn lessons from our past, but we have to stay focused on what's happening next. We have to stay focused on what God's doing. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 17 says this, Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Listen to this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We have to trust God's objective because what he says here is that we may be suffering here in the moment. And it may be difficult to deal with now. But in the end, God's got something so much bigger and better that far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The truth is there's some things we may not even see the answer to or the evidence of or the, the excitement for until we get to heaven. But there are a lot of things that we eventually see here in this life that we can look back and realize, oh, see, if, I'd have done, if I hadn't have done that, this wouldn't be going on. If I would have done that, it, it, you know, things would be so much different right now. And we can look back and see, oh, I made the right choice back then, and therefore this blessing is taking place now. Trust his objective because he knows what's going on that you don't know. As we hear these voices, sometimes, like I said, I've said several times through this series, it gets confusing. And if I'm being honest, there are times that I don't really completely know if it's the voice of God or the voice of Satan in my head. Because Satan's a very good liar, like we talked about last week, and he can make it sound so real, so convincing. What does he do? He takes something that's evil, and he makes it look so good. I mean, if sin wasn't fun, would we want to do it? I mean, let's face it. It at least appears fun in the moment. Or we wouldn't be tempted. But God knows that when we give in to those temptations, when we give in to those 
those mindsets, then it's going to affect us for a very long time. There are always consequences. And God teaches us here that when we trust his objectives, then the consequences end up being blessings. There's eternal weight. There's eternal glory. There's things that we could never have understood prior. The voice of wisdom, ask for it and see what happens. Every head bowed.